Hello, Clash fans! Trample Damage coming at you today with episode 14 of Inside Clash with Trample Damage. I'm your host, of course, the legendary Trample Damage, and who would have thought we'd make it to a Baker's Dozen plus one episodes? That's right. Three times five minus one episodes. Two touchdowns with the associated extra points worth of episodes of Inside Clash. I'm actually somebody who's a big fan of celebrating, like, everything. Like, I always take my birthday off, my wife's birthday, my kids' birthdays, my anniversary. So why not celebrate episode 14 as though it was some really impeccable milestone that very few people ever managed to achieve, even though plenty of people have managed to achieve. So anyway, today we're going to be talking about the episode is going to be titled The Queen's Gambit which is the most recent Clash challenge, uh, at least as of the recording, although within a few days it'll be gone, and the most important the new challenge will be the King Chess, the Chess King challenge. But at least for now, the Chess Queen's Gambit, I think it's just called, I think it's called Chess Queen's Gambit is what it's called in-game, but it's the, you know, the Chess Queen challenge in Clash of Clans, which was designed by Trample Damage. I'm going to walk you through the genesis, because it was a very quick turnaround. I'll walk you through the genesis of how it started, uh, what I did to be eligible, I guess I'm using air quotes there, eligible to create the level, how I decided to build it, some of the nuances that went into it, the creation, the testing, the reception, and all sort of everything that went into the development of this challenge. A challenge, which I'm very proud of, by the way. Then we'll get into the, I'm going to say the more mathy portion of today's episode, is really just going to be the groundwork that I will be laying for a case to bring back a, if not uncapped, at least a higher limit to the amount of resources that can be purchased in the clan capital. We're going to talk about some cool data from ClashSpot.net. If you're not familiar with ClashSpot, super cool website, check it out. There's some great information there about the clan capital and the number of raids and clans and users that are making clan capital attacks each week, which I'm not going to spoil it. We're going to talk about that. And then, of course, everybody's favorite part of the episode? Three people's favorite part of the episode. Questions from the audience. Global chat was once a place where you could go to find some clan mates. Now it's quiet, no one donates, and you cannot get enough for you would like to get some help on where to find some active members I have got advice here for you, why don't you just give up? The morning of August 7th, I woke up and as I frequently do, I check my social media stuff, whether it's the creator slack or discord to see if I'm missing any messages, TikTok to see how much volume I got on whatever I posted the day before, and I opened up discord and saw on a discord for people who have ndas with supercell for clash of clans there was a message from darian saying hey you know some exciting news we've got a collaboration going with chess.com and we're going to do two challenges for the month of september there will be an archer queen one and a barbarian king one and he let us know that you know we're looking for you know some kind of chess inspired theme to the challenge whether it's a way to checkmate the king or something chess related and the archer queen challenge was going to be scheduled to go live on September 1st and i saw that and i was like oh man the thing is normally the other people that are in this base builder area where you know when i built my challenge back in february of this year for the valentine's day challenge after i was done with that i had asked hey can i be somebody who helps test these things in the future uh, i'm perfectly happy to make myself available because i get a kick out of this stuff 
I was told, sure, you can keep access to this Discord server and to this channel in the Discord server. Normally, the people who respond, which happened right away, the person who built the King Challenge said, hey, got an idea for the King Challenge. I'll go ahead and take that one. Somebody else said, hey, I'm on vacation, can't do it. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a chance for me to throw my hat in the ring. And so I just typed really quickly, I have a cool idea for the Queen one. And almost immediately, Darian wrote back, oh. And I just said, you know, we could go out with a you know, layout that's like the chessboard with the walls, which is essentially what you guys ended up seeing. The, you know, like uh, some missing pieces to be able to put the, uh, where buildings would go. And then, you know, I said we could do either wall breakers to push through with ice golems and stuff to tank for her as she moves across the board. Or we could do, which is what I eventually did, we could have her recall around and move more like a normal chess queen. I wanted to acknowledge the fact that we were coming off of an Archer Queen challenge in the month of August that a lot of people really hated, and I wanted to make something that was much more approachable. So I pitched that as an idea. I very quickly mocked up in one of the development boxes a ba- what the base layout might look like, what the wall layout would look like, and just said, you know, imagine this being filled in with, you know, level 11 walls for the white pieces and either level 8 or 9 walls for 8 or 9? I think it's 8 or 9 walls for the black pieces or rather the black squares, and uh, he said, hey, I, I really like where you're going with this. It looks cool. Do you want to make it? I was like, yes, I want to make it, absolutely. And so then I, I got to work on it. My idea for the for the board was, number one, I didn't want it to be some punishingly difficult queen walk, right? I didn't want to do it where it's like, you know, five rage spells and you maybe four rage spells and some freeze and some invisi spells. Something that was just a little bit more laid back. And I thought it could still be queen focused and it could be queen walk focused. And my thought here was, let's make this thing legitimately like an actual chessboard where I left the queen open. And I, I did this in a spreadsheet. I basically made a quick little chessboard, an eight by eight grid and said, okay, queen starts here on this piece, which uh, I don't know if you'll notice this. By the time you listen to this, you'll probably see the king challenge. The king and queen are flopped in what should have been their starting positions, which I only realized as we were testing it. But anyway, it is what it is. So Archer Queen starts out on her traditional space, and if you look at the other spaces where she could potentially be deployed, there are five places, and only one of them is actually reachable by the Archer Queen using normal chess moves. So normal chess moves, she would be starting out on the fourth from the left in the back row, it's normal queen position, playing as the white side. If you were playing with black pieces, it's the same thing on the other side, only it would be four from the right. And her only legal move would be A4. And from there, she has one legal move to the middle of the board, and then diagonally back toward your own side, and then straight across what would be the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, the G, yeah, the G file, uh, up into what would be a starting position for a pawn on the other side of the board, and then finally cutting across to the position near the enemy queen where she would be deployed as her last place. That was the goal, was that, you know, there's this moving like a chess piece around the course of the board using just the recall spell to move her. Now, I wanted to put extra defenses on each of these spots so that if you wind up having the queen on a place that's not the ideal starting point, then you'll have an extra point defense on her, whether it's an expo or an archer tower. So the idea was moving her legally around the chessboard you wouldn't actually need to use the rage spell and you wouldn't need to use the queen's ability you could just use four healers 
I went ahead with my initial draft providing six healers, and I was just going to leave it at that. Six healers, plus a couple of wall breakers, plus the recall spells. I didn't want to make it so difficult for people to do something outside of this, so uh, my original draft, actually the entire outside of the board, was nothing but skeleton traps and tornado traps. And I eventually thought, it's kind of a jerky move, because some people are not going to know how to play chess, they're not going to think about deploying her inside there, they're going to use the super wall breakers to break into some of those compartments, but they're inevitably going to try to get there from the outside, and then a ton of skeleton traps and tornado traps will just make it an absolute nightmare. So I thought, you know what, I'll still put some outside to kind of discourage people from it, but I don't want to, again, I don't want to make it so punishingly difficult that people feel like there is literally only one way to get through this thing. If you deploy her where she's, air quotes here, supposed to be deployed, she can make her way around the base, taking out four defenses each time. She does encounter a clan castle in the center of the base, which I intentionally made a lower level clan castle so that we have fewer hit points. I wanted the queen to be able to power through each of the defenses in these areas. Assuming you took the pieces in the, or took the placement in the right order, she would be able to get through them without the rage spell. And I also provided a poison spell and I provided one freeze spell. And I originally started with max archer towers, max expos, and max hidden teslas, but it was too frequently that she would need to use either a freeze spell or a rage spell. I also tinkered with the possibility of putting a couple of air mines throughout the base to periodically knock out the healers to make it tougher as it went along. And then I thought, I actually like the Clash community. Why do that? Let's just go ahead and have no air traps. And I'll leave the extra healers as well. And my first draft, actually, I had, which Sir Moose was kind enough to help me test, I put a clan castle with a couple of healers and then some other healers to deploy. And then I thought, ah, that might be confusing for people. I'll just give them all the healers. And when he was testing it out, he, you know, he deployed the queen he deployed the healers he just put all the healers on there and then scooped up the queen but then a couple of the healers didn't have you know they don't fit in the recall spell so then they would just sort of float across the board heading over to where the queen was then deployed for you know the second third fourth fifth time and Sometimes they would take a little bit of damage, other times they would just get safely over to her. And in the end, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do four healers only, because every now and then like a Tesla would lock onto a healer and take it down, and I didn't want the, the challenge to fall apart because of luck coming in with a recall spell deploying the healer slightly closer to the Tesla in some way. So I just thought, look, extra troops, it'll be fun, everybody can take care of this, they'll make it work. Sir Moose said he really liked it, I thought the flavor was cool. In the videos that I was recording as I was, you know, doing my YouTube and TikTok and Reddit and Instagram versions, I did say, oh, you know, we can get the queen doing this and then, you know, checkmate and we'll get it taken care of. I tried to get in a couple other creators to help out with it because it was on such a short porch, uh, but Cerboos was the only one that was really available to test it out, but he thought it was cool and I was being very Clash community friendly, so I wasn't really that worried about it being a problem and we got the base as a result. I initially got very positive feedback from the Clash content creators. I got messages from a couple of people saying, hey, I think this design is really cool. It's elegant. It's really fun. It's so creative. It's inventive. I love it. A couple of obvious chess aficionados were saying things like, I think I figured out you, you want this to move like a regular queen, don't you? And then it was just like a lot of really positive feedback, which felt really, really good to me. I loved it. 
I was really excited about it. I showed my wife. She was like, that's really cool. She doesn't play chess. She knows how, but she was like, this is actually, you know, a very cool setup. I had Congressman Coolrick was checking it out and testing it. And he said that he really liked it. He is a chess player as well. And I was really excited. I also have recently been talking to Magic, who is the developer of the Clash King bot on Discord and uh, also has a creator code, which I don't actually know his creator code. It's probably, I'll have to look it up. I'll find it at some point. Um, but we, we started talking about how I was able to do the challenge using the development. Oh, I'll, I'll come back to that. I, well, no, we'll talk about that now. So I was doing the challenge with three healers. And I told him I can do it with three healers and the recall spells and nothing else. And he was like, oh, wow, that's cool. I'm going to try and do it with less. And he eventually did it with two healers and the recall spells. And then he did one version with one healer and a rage spell and and all the recalls, but he couldn't replicate it. He was like, he sent me a screenshot. I was like, hey, wow, super cool. Technically, that's even less housing space than the two healer version. And I eventually figured out how to do a two healer version, which I did make a YouTube version of. Uh, I was doing it a little bit differently than Magic, but I was able to find a way that was consistent to make it work. So I did share that as well. But in the end, I, I got a lot of good feedback. People really enjoyed it. And I'm going to I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. When I was originally developing it, so there's like lots of swag troops here, right? You don't need the super wall breakers, no ice golems, no super archers. When I was done with the challenge, this is how much I love the Clash community. When I was done with the challenge, said, all you need is three healers and a all the, the five recall spells. You don't need anything else, and you can actually defeat this challenge. When I'm done with the challenge, so like on the Supercell side, there's a couple of different development environments where we could build these things, and the normal dev box is not where I would build these. There's another build, and so I, I build it out in there, and then there are these files that I have to send to Supercell, and it's like there's JSONs, there's like a couple JSON files. They want screenshots of what the base looks like with the traps. They want a screenshot of the army composition that I'm using that shows the healer level or the hero levels, the pet that are being used, if any, and they also want a video of how the base is to be tripled. So they have, you know, quality assurance people that will wind up going through and checking to make sure everything's working. There is a quality control component to this and making sure that the game doesn't crash like, oh, well, yeah, deploy the queen and all of a sudden the whole board explodes and the game resets. So in order to do this, they require a video of how it is intended to be defeated that we have to submit. I, I don't know, I love the sound of my voice. So when I sent in this back in February, I did the, the Valentine's Day challenge. I recorded it, and then just like I would normally do for a YouTube video or a TikTok video on my iPad, I added some commentary over it. So I said... This is how I'm intending to beat it. Here's the general gist. Before I started the attack, I talked through the queen is going to be deployed here, recalled to here, then here, then here, then here, then here. And I did also, which I don't know if you noticed, I did put a level one wall piece where the queen is supposed to start, and then a level two wall piece in the space where she goes next, and then a level three wall piece, and then four, five, and six, just as an added hint of where to deploy her. And I talked through all of this in the video. I talked through how to defeat the challenge, how it works, and then I did say in the video, and after all of this, it only actually takes three healers, because I showed them it being done with three healers. I said, but I did give them three extra healers, a rage spell, a freeze spell, a poison spell, plus I threw in two ice golems and some super archers. That was my, you know, here's my video. And I actually got feedback from not only Darian, but uh, another person in the on Supercell side saying that the testers who were going through and, and setting up the challenge were incredibly appreciative of the video that I put together. And I was told that the video is now the new gold standard of what would be nice for them to get. Because I'm assuming... 
that means people who normally develop these, they record the bass, they just send in the video, and there isn't any dialogue sort of explaining the how and the why and the rationale. So I'm apparently super cool for having done that, and I'm very proud of myself for having done that. So that's all done. Stuff's all submitted. Everything's set, locked in, ready to go. I was marginally disappointed that the... So the clan castle in the base did say trample damage. But the text for the challenge itself didn't say something like, you know, designed by the legendary trample damage. It just said, you know, something about can you, you know, work your way across the board and checkmate the enemy queen. And I was like, oh, man, they didn't put trample damage on there. I thought maybe they'd put trample damage on there. But so as not to be a baby, I did try like the day or two before. I was like, hey, Darian, any chance we can change that? And I know that they have to, you know, we've tons of languages all this stuff has to be translated into and for them to have to add that in and go back through that process i was pretty sure it wasn't going to happen and darian said i'll ask but i'm I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen but at least it did say trample damage on there and a couple of creators that uh, are you know very trample damage friendly did mention it being my design and uh, you know a couple people linked my youtube channel on their videos as well which i always appreciate the support there's a there is uh, generally speaking, I feel like at least from my perspective, a lot of positivity and a lot of very friendly interactions in the creator program. I got, so like I said, some really great feedback from people telling me how much they enjoyed the challenge. They thought it was really creative. And it's cool because it's content creators from across the world. So it's obviously uh, English is my primary language. I, I only speak English. I, I jokingly tell people I speak one languages. And a lot of the creators, English is their second or third or fourth language. And there's quite a few foreign language, foreign to me, uh, non-English content creators that were just reaching out and telling me, hey, this is so cool. My community loves this. On Reddit, on TikTok, on Instagram, I got a ton of positive feedback from people just saying stuff like, hey, this was really cool. It was really creative and inventive, and I enjoyed it, and it's the most fun challenge that I've had in quite some time. And again, that, that kind of stuff actually just feels really good. I noticed on Reddit there were a lot of comments on Reddit that said stuff like, hey, this is a challenge I was actually able to do by myself for the first time in a very long time. There were people who pointed out, hey, it's super cool that you did this with the, you know, the actual chess moves and, you know, the walls as a guide were really fun and so much stuff that I, I, you know what I'm really proud about? That so many casual players just posted stuff like, I normally don't do these challenges, but I did this one because it was this really nice balance of something I could do myself, but it wasn't so hard that I had to go get feedback or advice from other people. And it was something that I actually enjoyed figuring out. And that if they wanted to like get cool and creative and swag a bunch of troops, they could look up those versions. They could find alternate ways to do it. But it was something that I just, you know, I people just tell me like, well, you should design every one of the challenges. I, I'd probably make some of them harder, but I do like to be very community friendly. And one of the comments that I remember the most on the the Reddit version that I did, I actually said on there something like, you know what, I, inc- I included these extra troops. You know, you don't need them, but I just wanted to give you guys a chance to mess around. And one of the comments, which it was uh, the the person on Reddit who said it is M6 is me, said 10 out of 10 challenge design mindset compared to you need every single one of these troops. And if one of them goes even slightly wonky, you have to restart something along those lines. And I feel like that summed up the community feedback pretty well with how people were feeling about it. Oh, one other thing I thought was cool, which I forgot to mention. The queen in that challenge was level 64 because there's 64 spaces on the chessboard. I had 
tons of fun creating this. I really look forward to the possibility of doing it again in the future. I'm not bashful at all, which we'll talk about a little bit more in the episode. I love putting myself out there. I love helping out and testing and doing stuff. The game is fun. I have a lot of cool ideas for future challenges. I hope you guys enjoy the challenge. If you didn't try it, that's too bad that you didn't try it. Check out my YouTube video. You can at least see what it looks like, and then you can be like, oh my gosh, this was so cool. I really love it. It's awesome. Okay, that's my chess, the Chess Queen's Gambit by Trample Damage. I don't think I missed any of the salient points in talking about the genesis or evolution of this. Uh, I did have a ton of fun creating it, and I did turn it around very quickly. Because normally, I think when I did the Queen's Challenge, I, for, I mean the Valentine's Day Challenge, I want to say that I started working on it and submitting all the files like three or four weeks before it went live, because they like that much time. But they were recognizing, like, they literally announced that they were going to do something just over three weeks before it would have to go live. And I did work on it pretty quickly and turn it around and get all the files submitted. So, you know, that was cool. I was very excited to do that. And hopefully because I presumably did a good job of creating the information that was going to be necessary that uh, at some point I will have a chance to go ahead and do that again. I would be looking forward to it. So with that, we're going to transition over into... uh, I am going to be making a case for the raid medals that we get from the clan capital not to have a cap like they used to not have a cap starting in the end of march beginning of april we went into a cap on the number of resources that you were able to purchase both builder resources and home village resources using raid medals which made me sad because i was using that as a primary methodology for developing my town hall eights and nines these are mini accounts i don't have enough time i don't have enough time to do any of this if i'm being honest but somehow it materializes and i i don't have time to loot and raid on those lower bases so they basically are just collecting stuff from the drills and the gold mines and the elixir collectors The Dark Elixir that I was able to get from the Raid Metals made it to where I could continue working on those bases. And the truth is, I haven't spent any money on any of those bases since that went away. Prior to that, periodically I'd be like, oh, I'm going to buy a few Builder Potions, or I'm going to buy a few of these things, because I was developing those bases. When Skeleton Park was released, I became very, you know, my last episode I talked about this, Clan Capital. I love Clan Capital. I became highly enamored with Clan Capital and started playing on a lot of my bases, and I was using them for the raid medals so that I could turn it all into Dark Elixir so that I could keep upgrading those heroes, and that was how I was having fun with the game. I do think it hurt. I feel like some of the dialogue uh, around it was probably focused on, like, there was some, some commentary on, like, wanting to fix the economy or not break the Clash economy, and I get it, but I don't think that the outcome is necessarily exactly what Supercell would have been expecting. There was some dialogue that, well, people aren't attacking as much, and I'm a data analytics guy, so I don't know who provided the data and exactly what scope it took. You know, is it like, is it a bunch of new mini bases that people were playing that were not making the same number of regular multiplayer attacks, and they thought that by limiting those resources, they would get those bases making those attacks? Because if they're my accounts, they aren't doing that. They're not regularly attacking at all right now, and they're not playing the clan capital as much as they used to, and I'm not buying anything for those bases because I just... I'm not as excited because it takes such a long time for me to just naturally 
Dark Elixir Drill and one 25,000 burst of Dark Elixir each week into each of those bases. I did do clan games on many of these accounts for the first time in a long time, which thank you to Mr. B, the leader of the WSA family, the We Stay Active family. He let me completely freeload like six or seven Town Hall 9s in one of his clans, and so I actually got Dark Elixir. I got a rune of Dark Elixir last month for a bunch of accounts that didn't normally get it, so that was really cool. Here's my rationale, and I approach pretty much any argument that I'm going to make with a somehow supporting case of data, and that data could be quantitative in nature, which is the way I tend to approach things, being a math guy and an analytics guy. It could also be qualitative. It could be people are unhappy about things. It could be very sentimental. But in in this case, I'm going to say, if you take a look back, and again, I I mentioned ClashSpot.net. It's a French content creator. I do know the code is ClashSpot. I want to say the code for Clash Kings Discord is Clash King. Again, I'm going to look that up. I'll I'll try and look that up at some point. I have a screenshot from Clash Spot showing the number of raids and clans that were active in Clan Capital, and it's time series data. Time series data is great because it lets you see how things are progressing. And it starts with data from June of last year, which is shortly after the Clan Capital came around, and that every single week, the data was continuing to climb. More and more clans participating in Clan Capital each week, up to a point where we had sort of the peak of Clan Capital right near the end of the year, and it sort of plateaued, and we were sitting somewhere in the neighborhood of between 1.5 and 1.6 million clans every week that were participating in clan capital. However, as of right around the end of April, which was three or four weeks after the limit to the raid metal expense was introduced, we started declining. And we went from being around 1.55, call it about you know 1.55 million on average as the plateau, down to over the course of the summer, we're now sitting in like the 1.35 million. So like 200,000 fewer clans every week that are participating in the clan capital. And I do remember some dialogue that I saw from somebody speculating that the reason why we didn't have new districts necessarily coming up as quickly is because of how few of the clans out there were actually maxing their clan capitals, which I honestly think at some point it wouldn't be shocking to me to see Supercell reduce the cost of some of the upgrades just to let people progress through the clan capital a little bit more quickly. That's beside the point. But there are 200,000 fewer clans right now participating in clan capital on a weekly basis than where we were in the end of March heading into April. Now, I realize this from a business perspective. I do this. I see this all the time. You make a change and people wind up continuing along for a little while until they start realizing whatever change you made. That could be you're reducing the portion sizes of your meals. You have raised the prices. You have you know cut levels of staffing down so that the service is a little bit different. And people maybe come in a few more times and then they start to taper off. I firmly believe that the 200,000 fewer clans we see making clan capital raids each week is directly related to this, and it's because I think a lot of mini accounts that people were spawning just to be able to participate in the clan capital, which drives more engagement. Even from somebody like me, oddly enough, it drove more engagement with the game, and now I'm not doing as much as I was with the clan capital. I know I'm not spending on those bases. That's from a clan perspective. If we take the exact same time frame, we look at the end of April for the number of clans being at 1.55 million, that same time frame that last week of April, we were at 18.2-ish million individual players that were making attacks during the course of that week in the clan capital. End of April, 18.2 million. Again into August, 
we're now at right around 15, maybe 15.2, 15.3 million. So we go from, in April, 18.3 million down to 15.3 million. There are 3 million fewer bases that are being used in clan capital every single week, and it has been nothing but a steady decline since that change to the raid metal system took effect. I am going to be putting an argument together using all this data as my supporting evidence for why they should, at a dead minimum, increase the limit from what is currently one to possibly three of each of the resources. Maybe they go back to being unbounded. I just think that the goal that we were going for in trying to encourage players to engage with the primary aspect of the game, I don't think that it landed. Because I think the players that were not engaging with the main part of the game were players like me with my minis who were really enjoying the clan capital and being very happy to use those raid medals in developing our main villages when we clearly don't have the time to make those additional raids. That's my argument. That's my thesis. We will see what winds up happening. And with that, we will move along to questions from the audience. The first question coming in from Racer100. What would you think of Supercell moving the need for a builder to remove obstacles? Because the way I see it, them making the upgrade times like two weeks long, it's frustrating when obstacles spawn in the middle of my base, and I don't have a builder base for a week, so I can't switch bases. I completely agree. I think that it's... It's nice flavor to see the builder run over there and, like, hammer away at it for a moment. You know, this is one situation where even while the builder is free, they could have, like, a builder stop for a moment, whatever they're working on, and, like, run over there and take out the rock or the tree or the obstacle or whatever it is that is spawned. Or maybe it's just a, a rock that's been sitting around for a long time you're finally going to get rid of because your base needs to expand. It There is probably... I mean, maybe somebody did. Hardly anybody in the history of the game has ever gone and finished up a some kind of upgrade to free up a builder so that they could remove an obstacle. I personally have canceled very cheap upgrades on lower town halls to be able to clear out a bunch of tree stumps or something in order to give myself a few more gems. I don't think it hurts the game at all. I think it's a pure quality of life improvement, and yes, it can be very frustrating when you do have an obstacle spawn in the middle of your base and you would like to move it, but you can't because especially at Town Hall 15, if you're sitting in the middle of some 8, 9, 10, 12, 14 upgrades and now you have to wait maybe a week before you can get rid of one of those obstacles i don't think that the game has anything to gain from leaving it in there and i would be highly supportive of removing that but bdx hunter's question how do you balance creating content and playing the game for fun i think the simple answer for this one is in the same way that i approach most of my days so there are things i have to do and that's like you know by I have to do things for my family, I have to do things for work, then there are the things that I would like to take care of. And that might be more like chores and responsibilities. So things that really need to get done, but maybe there's not going to be like a, you know, like a penalty or a payment or a bad thing that happens if I don't do it. And then there's the stuff that that I would enjoy doing. And for me, the enjoyment comes from hanging out with my wife, hanging out with my kids, playing, you know, whether it's Clash of Clans or I'm playing a lot of Diablo 4 lately, reading. I love to read. I feel like you should know that by now. If you don't know that by now, what kind of fan are you? I love to read. I like to do a lot of stuff, and I, there, but I have limited time just like all of us do. 
And I think the nice thing for me is I have a lot of fun even just making the content. And because most of my content is relatively short form, I usually only make like one like one YouTube video a week. And they're normally like eight to 10 minutes. And they are normally just based on attacks that I'm already making, whether it's in Legend League or a cool war attack, or if it's in Clan War League, or I'm just showcasing some cool attacks I've gotten from somebody. I don't necessarily have to carve out a ton of my time. And the, the nice thing is about the way that I approach this is because my content creation is just a hobby. This is not, you know, I'm not Judo or Itsu or Carbon Finn or Eric or any of the other content creators out there that are doing this as their profession. If I choose not to make videos for a week, I still feed my children. If I choose not to make videos for a couple of weeks, I can still have gasoline in my car on my way to work, which I guess is important since it's my job. But I, I don't have anything that I'm beholden to. I do it because it's something that's fun. I say to myself, oh man, I haven't made a video for a little while. So instead of farming a little little bit more dark elixir for a town hall 12 i'll make a tiktok because my tiktoks honestly don't take me that long they take me you know like five to ten minutes to make a tiktok my youtube videos are maybe like 10 minutes to record and you've seen my content it's not exactly <laughs> really high effort content editing those is easy um honestly the the content that's the hardest thing for me to carve out time for is my podcast but it is also my favorite thing right now i really enjoy having a chance to talk about the game I had a lot of fun when I was on the podcast with C-Note. He got way more, way, way more than he was bargaining for in that. Uh, we probably thought it was going to be like an hour. We spent like, you know, three and a half hours altogether, which included me <laughs> apologizing and needing to take a bathroom break, my iPad dying, me going back to work and into the building to get my stuff to go home because I thought that we would record for an hour and then I'd go back in and work on a few more things, which I didn't. I just ended up working on that stuff over the weekend. Um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And I, I play the game as much as I can, as much as I want to, and there's days that I'm busy and I don't get a chance to play very much, except, you know, I, I try not to let the clans down. I'll make my war attacks. Like, you know, Discord bot will remind me, oh, you got an attack in Good Guys 5, or you got an attack in the main clan, or whatever. So... I I think that the, the way that I balance it, if I'm you know, my very verbose, you're taking ramble damage. My very verbose way of saying I balance it is that balance normally implies some kind of difficulty, right? Like people don't like, a, how do you how do you balance walking down the street? It's like, you don't, you just walk. Like if I stumble or stagger a little bit to one side or the other, there's sidewalk there, there's street there. Like I can walk without thinking of it as balance. Technically, I am balancing my body upright. All the muscles are working together. Synapses are firing to make sure that nothing tips over. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think of content creation and playing Clash as something that really requires balance. I look at them as two things that I enjoy doing while I fully recognize that I'm not able to do everything I want to do every single day. I can't sit down and play Diablo for three hours every morning when I get up, no matter how much fun that would be, because I have to take my dogs for a walk. I have to go to work. I'm going to go run errands and go grocery shopping and do the dishes and normal stuff that has to take place. So I balance by not feeling like it's a balance requirement. Did I hide from that? I don't know. The next question from Congressman Coolrick, uh, who I refer to as my Clash best friend. I've uh, known him for quite a while. He was super supportive to me on Reddit. Uh, been a clan mate with me for quite some time, and he's totally kicking butt in Clan War League. Hopefully I'm not going to wind up jinxing him. Uh, his question is, you are what at least one creator program co-participant would describe as exceedingly demanding in your requests for changes to the game. Where do you get off... Well, 
What is your philosophy when approaching those conversations with community managers and game devs? I've always sort of worked off of this thought philosophy of like, you know, if you want something, go for it, right? If you want it, go get it. And I'm, I have an opinion about everything. I have opinions about stuff I have no right having an opinion to, but hey, give me a topic. I'll have an opinion about it. I could probably do a podcast that has nothing to do with Clash of Clans, answering random questions and sounding reasonably intelligent in my answers to almost all of them, even if I don't know what I'm talking about ahead of time, just because I'm a smart dude. When I see stuff in the game, and I do comment a lot in Slack, I comment a lot about changes and updates and suggestions and recommendations. I encourage other creators to do the same. I think I I I am always respectful. Very respectful, very positive and I try to acknowledge somebody else's perspective because it's a great argument tool. Like when you're debating somebody and you start by saying, I see where you're coming from. Here are all the pros and wonderful things about what you're talking about. Now I'm going to tell you why I think my idea is a better idea. When I'm trying to make a case for a change, which I'm going to be doing, like I said, with the clan capital, I feel like we should allow additional spend on resources each week. My case is going to start by saying, you originally expected this as the outcome. I challenge you to go and look and see if you got the outcome you were looking for because the data suggests that we have seen a decline in the utilization of the clan capital, and I believe it is related to this change that you made. I think you should consider unwinding it. Totally understand if you're not going to, I will lay my case out. I my my general philosophy on all these conversations starts from a place of they care about the game otherwise they probably wouldn't work for Supercell. I don't think you get a game working get a job working for a game and working for a developer like this if it's not something that you're at least partially passionate about or interested in. Uh, on the same line, I only started creating content for Clash of Clans because I love the game and I enjoy the game. So a core tenet of the philosophy here is we all love the game. We all want it to be better. I want it to be better for my own playing experience. I want it to be better for my fans. I think I don't even need to use air quotes. For my fans and my community, which I appreciate you guys. And thank you for listening. If you're still listening to this, we're taking ramble damage. But that's okay because it's fun. We're having times. And I feel like because we all want something good for the community – it's okay for me to be bold and make recommendations on what we could potentially do better. Next question comes from Magnus. Kenny Joe recently published a video where he outlined that this is the first time. This is an old question. It's an old question, but there are lots of questions, and I eventually get to them. This is the first time we've received all the content or upgrades of a new Town Hall within two updates. Do you figure we will be seeing Town Hall 16 sooner than the 18-month cycle that Supercells previously demonstrated, or do you suspect we may see more defensive upgrades in the winter update so that we will promptly want to delete Town Hall 15? I don't think we're going to see more updates for Town Hall 15. I feel like every building, every troop, maybe there might be a few troops left. I think like, oh no, because like Dragon Riders didn't get a level. And there was something, oh, Balloons. Balloons definitely didn't get a level. Um, I, I don't think we're going to get any more Town Hall 15 content, not for the main village. Um, whether or not that would get Supercell to sort of speed up the process, because like we got the last update in October. So you'd probably call that like March or April of next year. Uh, I think I, I don't I wouldn't be surprised if Supercell deviated from the 18 month cycle, speeding it up a little bit. But a big piece of this would really come down to right. It's a business. And so there's a development pipeline and all businesses have to have some idea of what the roadmap looks like, especially when you're a product like Supercell's Clash of Clans. It is a pure it is it is all product. Right. There's no they're not to build factories to do things, but they do have to develop work. And I think that if their their development pipeline or roadmap said, hey, we could probably 
still get all the content that we wanted, maybe cut a few things that we were thinking about including just to be able to release it sooner, I think they'd probably be happy to do so because it is going to be another potential nine-month or eight-month period until we get more new content, and I don't think that that is healthy for the game. Personally, I would rather see, instead of one big update halfway through, I'd rather see two or three updates staggered out, even if it was to say, here is all the stuff that we were going to give you in this the first half of the year. I'd rather we get, you know, Town Hall 15 launches with the new defenses, the new troop, the new pets, and maybe instead of half of the buildings getting a new level, only a quarter of them. And then, you know, four months later, we get another quarter and maybe a couple of troops and a super troop. I would rather see it staggered out because I think it's more healthy for the meta. It allows things to shift and change, and it does not stay as stagnant. I also honestly think it's going to be more money for Supercell because every time they do those updates, you can do the like, hey, here's like a $100 pack of stuff that you can buy to be able to max everything today and uh, people like me will buy that kind of stuff so i i do think that it'll probably be faster than what would be 18 months just because i think they got enough feedback that they would like to speed that along even if it maybe throws off their development pipeline a little bit but again they're going to be beholden to that pipeline if there's some cool mega new mechanics that are going to be coming with town hall 16 and it's just not going to be done in time for them to scoot it up then no we'll probably be waiting you know, all the way into March or April of next year. I'd certainly love to see it sooner, but, you know, I, I'm not going to be holding my breath for that. Question from Wheatley. Do you think it would be feasible for the free loot in the shop to change depending on your town hall level? For example, at lower town halls, the million gold is extremely overpowered, but at town hall 15, it's not going to do a thing. I do believe it is. This is like a quintessential IT answer. Anything's possible. It would absolutely be feasible. It's just a function of whether or not they want to go through and put in the brain damage required to try to like tone things down for the lower town halls because i don't think that the answer is that they're going to leave it overpowered for low levels and then make it even more overpowered for high town hall levels i think it's probably just that they're going to always build things toward the highest town hall and just say eh, lower town halls can just get more stuff and it'll help them upgrade faster because clash would like to see people progress deeper and deeper into the game where they feel more invested and they potentially want to spend more money Question from Finn. Uh, if we get a new defense for Town Hall 16, what kind of defense would you like to see? I don't know what to call it, so I'm just going to call it the intruder alarm. And I, I'm thinking about something that is like the antithesis of the Eagle Artillery um, in troop deployment. Maybe not the same in terms of range. I'd like it to have a high range. I'm going to make this up as I go here. Call it 20 tiles, right? That's uh, ground expos have a range of 14, which is immense. The monolith has a range of 11... I think it's 11, 12, 12, I don't know, 12, 13, 11, 12. It's, it's the ground expo at 14 is the largest outside of the Eagle Artillery. I would like to see something that maybe has like a, a range of 20 that deals an absolute punishing amount of damage until you have a certain amount of troops on the map. It's almost like it encourages you to spam your troops. So maybe it's like it has an incredibly high damage per second until you've got at least... 75 troops on the map and then its damage gets reduced and then once you've got 125 it goes down even more once you've got 200 it goes down even more and then by the time you have all your troops and heroes and spells and pets and everything deployed it's now maybe only as powerful as an archer tower so that by the end of the attack it's going to be something that's not necessarily a scary thing but early on in the attack it can be very damaging and punishing to you know a siege machine a hero something i think it would be an interesting way to introduce additional trade-offs that people face when they are deciding how to approach picking apart a base. 
So the last question that I'm going to answer for today is from Liam Titan, my very, very courteous and friendly and helpful spreadsheet management guru who helps me keep track of these questions, which I am, I will be eternally grateful for the entire time that continues to happen. The question is, what is the best advice you ever received? And I am 43, so I've had a lot of people provide me advice over the years. There are a lot of pieces of advice that I feel like have been great, some that have been terrible, which we have discussed in a previous episode. Um, I will say, if you have never listened to what is called the, the proper name, so Baz Luhrmann is credited as the artist. The proper title for the song is actually Everybody's Free with a parenthetical to wear sunscreen. It is most commonly known as the sunscreen song, and it is ostensibly a person giving a commencement address to the graduating class of 1999. And there's actually a ton of really great advice in that song. It's really just a, it's a speech that is put to music and has a nice pace and beat and cadence and rhythm to it, which is really cool. If you've never listened to it, listen to it. There are so many really cool, meaningful things. Odds are you'll probably shed a tear at some point when they talk about something that is very meaningful to you. And I think that is an amazing song. It's got so much cool advice. My, What I'm going to answer Liam's question with here is my favorite piece of advice is actually how that song wraps up. In order to understand that, I'll tell you briefly how it starts. The song starts with the person coming up there and saying, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proven by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. And if I misquoted that, I apologize. I'm doing that off of memory because I love this song. I don't know if you can technically call it a song. It is a song. I love the opening and the intro, but he basically is saying, look, um, I know sunscreen's good for you. Uh, beyond that, I'm just going to give you some rambly advice. And it's all wonderful, wonderful advice, particularly for younger people, especially the stuff that has to do with loving yourself and being forgiving of yourself and the relationships that you should have in your in your life. And the song wraps up with, be careful who's it. So my, my advice is about my, the best advice I've received is going to be not just this song, but the closing piece about how to accept advice. It ends with, be careful whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. Then he closes with, but trust me, on the sunscreen. I think some of the best advice that 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 piece of advice is probably one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever had. So it's like meta advice about how to accept it. People, for the most part, like we know the difference between somebody who's like a bossy know-it-all who's just going to be like jamming their opinion down your throat. Then there are the other people who just genuinely want you to succeed in life. They want you to be happier. They want to support you. They want to make you feel good about yourself. They want to give you a, a beacon of hope. And... No matter how good or bad that advice is, be patient with the people that are providing it to you because what they're really trying to say is, I have lived a life, and in my life I have learned this thing that I find to be valuable and important, and maybe it's something you should think about. And I think that's a really great way of thinking about being kind and courteous and patient with people who are willing to put themselves out there to share their thoughts, their experiences with the rest of us. So that's what I think is the best advice that I've received. Uh, with that ramble damage, I think we're sitting at like 45 minutes. And I honestly, I, I told my wife when I was recording this episode, I was like, it's probably only going to be like a half an hour long because I'm just going to breeze through how I did the chess queen's gambit. But then I picked way too many questions, largely because there are a lot of questions sitting out there on the Discord server. I am going to 
continue answering as many as I can. I might actually at some point do an episode that is nothing but answering questions. If you have anything you'd like me to talk about, including questions like Liam has posted a lot of stuff about, has nothing to do with Clash of Clans. Good advice you've given, things in life. I'm willing to talk about damn near anything. So feel free to jump into my Discord server, which is... Oh, you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash trample damage discord. So that's actually something I can say out loud. I got a great advice, uh, a great idea from Bokster, who in my my good guys family said, hey, I made a tiny URL for the good guys Discord server, which was a great idea. I've done the same thing for Trample Damage's Discord server. So it is tinyurl.com forward slash Trample Damage Discord. Feel free to join the server. There is a channel in there for questions for the podcast. Make sure to check it out. Uh, Of course, you can continue supporting me in all of the wonderful ways you could potentially wind up supporting me, which includes using my creator code, listening to my podcast, which you've done, sharing my podcast, watching my TikToks, sharing my TikToks. Follow me on Reddit. I actually have a substantial following on Reddit, which is kind of crazy and a little bit goofy that I actually have a big following on Reddit. But, you know, check me out on Reddit. It's cool. Uh, I did mention a couple of other creators through the course of this. Uh, There are lots of really, really cool creators uh, in the creator program with creator codes that I support, and I still need to figure out what Clash King's creator code is. I'll probably put that in the show notes, so check the show notes for that, because I just don't remember what it is off the top of my head, and I don't have any uh, Wi-Fi with me to be able to pull up my game and check that out. But check out my TikTok, my Instagram, my YouTube, all that fun stuff. Make sure to comment in my Discord server to let me know questions you would like to see answered in future. And until next time, we will see you on episode 15, which we will probably make a big fanfare about as well. <laughs>